0: Hello, team. Welcome to episode four of the Strong Habits podcast. And congratulations on an incredible week. A couple of you have already gone down a dress size, which is very impressive. And I'm so proud of all of your hard work this week, particularly Nadia for facing her gym fears and taking up space, and Lenny for being so intentional with all of her choices whilst on holiday, despite watching me eat things from the bakery every day. Now, I don't know if you've been to Hamburg before. But there's literally a bakery every five minutes or less so it's impressive really that she was able to make those choices i think (laughs) um so i wanted to start today off by talking about doms aka delayed onset muscle soreness i know some of you have been experiencing this in various degrees over the last two weeks The pain of trying to stand up from the toilet after squatting for the first time in a few months or trying to walk up or down the stairs. Doms aren't restricted to any particular muscle group, but some people tend to experience it more in certain muscles than others. The soreness is primarily caused by type 1 muscle strain, that just means some degree of fibre damage predominantly as a result of unaccustomed exercise. So the reason some of you have been feeling that soreness the last couple of weeks is because you're doing more exercise than you may have been doing for a while and it all just feels a bit new on your muscles. Generally speaking, the soreness is likely to become noticeable around eight-ish hours after a workout and then peak at 48 to 72 hours later. But it can really be anything within that range and it will hit different people differently. It can not only vary person to person, but also individuals can experience varying lengths and pains too at different times. Interestingly, measures of muscle damage at a microscopic level are poorly correlated with reports of soreness. So if you're really sore, it doesn't necessarily mean you've completely smashed your muscles and maximised growth potential. Pain doesn't necessarily mean growth. It's possible for severe damage to occur without any DOMS at all. This is why it's not worth chasing that sore feeling, and I'm sure you all know someone who chases and idolises that post-leg day crawl. You don't need to be that person. And in fact, by spreading your leg volume over the week like I have done in Strong Habits, you can get much more work in without being unable to walk for days. Now that you've been so sorry so now that you've been training for a couple of weeks you should find that that soreness after training is a bit less and you're going to get more used to that volume of work you just want to try and be consistent and try not to do way more than what I wrote down because I know a couple of you did that because you got a bit excited um which is awesome but it will increase how much soreness you're feeling now just anecdotally if DOMS was a measure of muscle growth. Long distance runners would be jacked, but they're not. Running causes minimal hypertrophy. So is there anything you can do about DOMS? So about this pain? Warming up before training isn't going to help, but you should definitely do it anyway, as it will improve your performance in your session. Ideally, an effective warm up gets your heart rate up, moves your body through the shapes that you're about to make and gets the muscles you're about to use to work. A lot of people swear by foam rolling to combat the DOMS, but it's only been shown to be helpful in some of the studies, so the jury's still out. Omega-3 fatty acids, however, which are found in fish and also you can get little capsules, this seems to help. Studies have shown it improves anabolic signalling, which likely improves muscle repair and growth. There's actually a ton of other health benefits to taking omega-3 anyway, so it's definitely worth doing especially if you're not already eating fish twice a week. One of the main benefits of omega-3s outside of muscle recovery is in brain health. Our brains are made up of 60% fat and omega-3s are essential. They form the structure of the brain cells and ensure the cells communicate effectively. Omega-3s also enhance the dopamine and serotonin systems which affect our mood. Omega-3 may also reduce the risk of heart disease. Now, we can't make our own omega-3s inside the body, so we need to get it from food. This is mostly from oily fish, but also rapeseed oil, algae supplements if you're a vegan, walnuts. If you're interested in finding out more ways to get omega-3 into your diet, post in the Facebook group and we can get a thread going. Now, coming back to DOMS, something that will actually help is active recovery. So go for a walk or a swim or do an easy workout. It can also include doing an easy cool down after your workout instead of just stretching or going home for instance this could just be 50 calories on the row machine real easy if you go home or to work straight after your workout and sit for the rest of the day your doms are going to be worse moving is your friend now interestingly as well as being helpful for easing doms generally moving has loads of benefits We spoke last week about knee and how important it is for you to move more, take the stairs, park further away from wherever you're going, have walking meetings. But moving more isn't just about calories and recovery, no. Moving more also has a huge impact on other health factors. A recent study looking at physical exercise and abdominal obesity found overweight men with a high level of fitness have a significantly lower visceral fat than men with a poor level of fitness. Visceral fat is the fat stored within the abdominal cavity, surrounding important internal organs like your liver. High levels of visceral fat is associated with an increased risk of things like type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. But just being more active throughout the day, you can reduce this risk. And even slim people have high levels of visceral fat, so being active is important for everyone, separate to any weight loss goals. We all need to just be moving more. A common suggestion for DOMS is taking an ice bath to reduce the pain, but this isn't actually very helpful. The ice bath will probably reduce the soreness slightly, but it's also going to hinder your muscle growth and strength. Ultimately, you mostly just have to wait it out and try not to leave too long between training or make any sudden increases in volume. So for the next section of the podcast, I'm going to focus on client questions. Most of the questions were actually about DOMs, so this section's going to be pretty short. Uh, so, Sarah asked if there was an average length of time between drinking and needing to pee. There isn't actually a one size fits all recommendation for how frequently anyone should pee, but I did find a study looking at the absorption, distribution, and disappearance of ingested water from 2014 which found that a mouthful of water was absorbed by the body pretty quickly. So within 11 to 13 minutes, half the water had been absorbed and it was completely absorbed in 75 to 120 minutes. Over the next 10 days, this gulp of water came out as urine, which means when you drink a glass of water and then go to the loo, you're not peeing out the glass of water you just drank, because it takes up to 10 days. I thought that was kind of cool, but it's not actually very helpful. Uh. so sorry about that um in terms of staying hydrated the best ways for you to tell if you're drinking enough is the color of your urine so if it's dark you need more and if you've been drinking more water you'll notice that you need to pee more often um i hope that answers your question i couldn't really find a better answer for you though sorry about that um lenny asked if it's better to go to the gym in the morning or in the evening. The answer is, it doesn't really matter. Go whenever fits best into your diary. The best time to go is the time that you're going. So you just need to make sure that it's something that works with whatever you're doing anyway. If waking up early to go to the gym before work never happens, then maybe planning it for before work isn't the one. Maybe try planning it for when you get back instead. You're just gonna have to see what works best for you personally. Um, Len's also asked the best way to cool down after a workout. Now the simplest answer would be a really easy five minute cool down on one of the cardio machines. Maybe five minutes on the rower at rp4. Remember rp is your perceived rate of exertion, so how hard something feels out of ten. Where one is chilling on a beach and ten is so hard there is no way you could repeat that right now. So something easy and moving. Kate J asked, what's good to eat pre-workout when you're in a deficit? Now, caffeine is the best pre-workout. Doses less than 3mg per kilo of body mass can enhance wakefulness and alertness, but are often not enough to enhance exercise performance. So I think in your average morning coffee. Research shows performance benefits tend to provide dosing ranges from three to six milligrams per kilo, with most studies staying at the higher end, so between five and six milligrams per kilo. So if you weigh 60 kilograms, you're looking at a dose of 300 to 360 milligrams of coffee. So a double espresso at Starbucks is 150 milligrams, which means you're looking at like four shots of coffee to get that ergogenic effect. A can of Monster is 160 milligrams. And a tall cold brew coffee at Starbucks is 229 milligrams, and a grande is 308 milligrams. These numbers are just for reference so you can picture how much coffee that is in your head. Now just be mindful if you are trying to stay within your calories and you're going to Starbucks. Getting black coffee is going to be like 5 calories or something but as soon as you start putting cream and syrup and all of the other stuff in, it adds up to a small meal quite quickly. So just be mindful of that. Um, Now trying to find the caffeine content of Pret coffees was weirdly difficult. You can probably assume it's similar. I actually found this Facebook thread spanning six years where people were asking Pret for the caffeine content of their coffees and Pret kept dancing around the answer. I don't know what that means. Maybe coffee is actually decaffeinated and they're trying to keep it on the (laughs) down-low. No, that statement was not actually evidence-based, just speculative, but I mean, who knows, right? Who knows? Anyway, in terms of food, it depends. It depends on what time of day you're training and how hungry you are. If it's early and you're not that hungry, you could just have some coffee. You'll still have the glycogen stores in your muscles from dinner to see through. If you are hungry and you want to eat something first, focus on carbs and protein. You probably want to avoid things that are super high in fat unless you've got a long chunk of time between eating and training as it might just make you feel a bit weird in your belly. But this is person dependent. So a bit of trial and error will be your friend here. Carbs are gonna provide your main fuel source. So a good place to look is carbs based snacks. Uh, This could be something as simple as a bagel or a banana. I hope this was helpful. Again, another short one for you. If you have any questions about the podcast today, pop them in the Facebook group and we can discuss. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will speak to you soon.